listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 193, and I am your host, Elena Levin. Joining me today for this show is my co-host, Pontus Bokman. Всем привет! Hey, San, hey, San, Elena! What's up? God bless America. Oh. USA, USA. Oh boy, no. oh boy. I got on the wrong <laughs> podcast, I think. What <laughs> mistake. Oh, bloody hell. I feel like I've lived here forever. What, what are we on? October. Yeah. Jeez, Politics uh, is crazy. The Brexit uh, carousel is uh, in full swing over here. That's almost everything I'm looking at at the moment. It's absolutely crazy. But- I, I, I very briefly scanned through the news. Boris Johnson's name mentioned every five minutes. and it's- Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But again, that's also another podcast, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> well, so listen, 31st of October is the deadline. If you ask me, ain't gonna happen. No, but... I, I don't think so. I think maybe we'll know today, which is Monday, 21st. Uh, but they, they thought it would, we would know last Saturday as well. But... All right. Well, maybe tomorrow. Manana, as they say. Speaking of American news, though, did you know, Jelena? Yes. That no, your... probably not. <laughs> <laughs> the university in your city of Seattle has just inaugurated a new building and they have named it after the Swedish doctor Hans Rosling. That's fantastic news. Yeah. I'm super excited about this. I'm so and, glad um... you could pull that off. Very well done. Sell <laughs> <laughs> me. Yeah. I'll take all the credit. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> so, so this building is now the Hans Rosling Center for Population Health. And for those who don't know, Hans Rosling was a Swedish doctor, statistician. He was an author and a professor. And he, we've talked about him before. He sadly passed away a couple of years ago. But he was very instrumental. He was a science communicator and he he did a lot of good work in popularizing positive global health data. And he actually inspired millions of people, including Bill and Melinda Gates, whose foundation paid or at least contributed to this building to the tune of $210 million. So it must be quite a building. Yeah. Well, so I work for a cancer research charity in Seattle and um, the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation contribute to our organization as well. So they're quite um, big on donating to this type of causes, yeah. you know, yeah. education, research, all the all the good things. Yes. So you can remember that every time people complain about their Windows uh, license, actually a lot of that money goes to very good research in the end. Well, I don't know. Do you reckon Windows will be like relevant <laughs> for much longer? <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, hopefully the research that it's paid for will be but, relevant for a long time. But I th- he's, already, he's already earned his money. He's got these. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's great news. I, I'll, I'm sure I'll hear about this because we actually work with the University of Washington quite a bit. Yeah. No, I thought I would mention it partly because it's where you live now and also because yeah. we, at one point, we actually did have a hope of getting Hans Rosling on the show, but uh, uh. it turned out he was very ill and he passed away. Yeah. Too sad. <sighs> very sad. Hmm? Um, okay. Thank you for this. <laughs> Uplifting <right>. news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on. 
we'll go straight into the show with our next segment, an interesting event relevant to science, medicine, skepticism, etc. This week it'll be a quick one, and it is about our favorite topic. No, actually, Pontus, I should say your favorite topic, Pope. Oh. Although I don't know if you if you have a favorite Pope. Is Pope John Paul II favorite? He's he's up there. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I don't know. I think he's um he said some things about evolution. So basically, re- the reason why I want to mention him today is because on October twenty second in nineteen ninety six, during his speech, one of his speeches reaffirmed the church's openness to the theory of evolution. Hooray! <laughs> Who could have thought? Very, very vague, right? Openness yeah. to the theory of evolution. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what the hell does it even mean? Well, he kind of gave a nod towards the science that has been developed and uh, the facts that were established about the evolution for, like, literally decades and decades and decades. Yeah, for hundreds of years. Or one, at so, least over 100 years, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and so he said, and I quote, some new findings lead us towards the recognition of evolution as more than a hypothesis. In fact, it is remarkable that this theory has had progressively greater influence on the spirit of researchers following a series of discoveries in different scholarly disciplines. So basically, the way I read it is, they could not deny science any longer. Only if you lived under a rock, closed your eyes, closed your ears, and uh, didn't want to see or hear anything, that you could have just uh, ignored it. But, I mean, kudos to him. He still kind of denied, at the same time, any materialistic explanation for human soul, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. Hmm. I still... I'm not saying there is no soul, but I still don't know what it is meant by when people say human soul. (laughs) But of course, he had to keep some of that misty mystery behind the divine and the spiritual side of human yeah. nature. Yeah, I think it was sort of, uh, he had to, I guess. But again, <laughs> they don't always do what they have to do. So I think acknowledging that evolution cannot no longer be ignored was good of him. It, yeah. But it's interesting that the reason that evolution still is controversial with some people is that it is because of religion. It, it's not that... <laughs> evolution in any way is illogical or hard to understand etc the only problem people have with it is that it doesn't really fit with their religion so they try to poke hole in it Mm. but 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 i still feel like even after giving this nod to the evolution he couldn't i don't think he could square it away with religion it's you know with a square peg in a round hole type situation but i'm sure he has never gone into much more detail than just making this very broad statement because if you start pulling the bible apart bearing in mind that evolution is true well very quickly you you left with nothing really so Mm. and one of the big problems of course is that you have to accept that the earth is like four billion years old or even more for this to have had time to work its way from almost nothing to the animals and the people and the plants that we see today and of course that is very hard to square with the bible and of course there's no there's no adam and eve anywhere in evolution so is there adam and steve no (laughs) no (laughs) that's even more (laughs) contested by the church all right well that's yeah that's me a little tidbit today Mm -hmm. for our on this day very good and i believe next segment actually will be um a quick interview with avidio kovacu 
We had him on the show a couple of times in the past, and it'll be a catch-up interview to see what's happening. And we will be talking to him about our, one of our favorite topics after Pope, uh, vaccinations. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with us here, or with me now, we have online Ovidio Kovacu. The relentless activist from Romania who keeps on doing such good work to fight against the anti-vax movement and to promote vaccinations with real information. Welcome back to the ESP. Hi, thank you. And uh, thank you for having me, actually. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago we had you on. Uh, we met at the European Skeptics Congress in Belgium. That was at the end of August. And, and, and you told us then that you would participate in the Global Vaccination Summit that, was, that took place on 12th of September organized by the European Commission and the WHO, the World Health Organization. That was in Brussels, I believe? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, of course, we wanted to hear all about that event and how it went. So, what can you tell us? Uh, if we start, what was the purpose with, with this summit? So, yeah, um, the purpose of the summit was mostly to bring stakeholders together mm -hmm. and have them start a conversation on vaccination in various topics, but I mean, the, the conferences, the people who talked would, talked about vaccine hesitancy, they also talked about getting more, more vaccines to people, uh, they talked about issues of distribution, they talked about what is needed from governments and uh, states to support vaccination. Vaccination itself and immunizations are a very big topic, it depends on what you want to look at. Yeah. If you want to look at education, like I do, then yeah, that was there. But it wasn't the only thing. The more complex issues that cannot be solved by discussing with, with any person are logistical, financial, and let's say distribution. So logistics means creating enough vaccines, distributing them, and having the finances to make sure that every country in the world gets the right vaccines. Hmm. So the delegates there were from all across the world. I've seen people in Bangladesh, so many of the African countries. Of course, the EU was there. It was actually a global summit, not, not just an EU discussion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we started with debates on, I mean, how good vaccines are. Basically, everyone said, you know, everyone agreed. It was very simple to be in a, <laughs> in a place where everyone agrees that the vaccines are good. No, nobody <laughs> debates that. Uh, but we did have conversations, I mean, there were conversations on, on hesitancy yeah. and getting more vaccines and getting new vaccines in the pipeline. Mm. So, so how many people were involved uh, during, it was one day, right? Yes, one day. In terms of uh, in terms of number of people, I think there were maybe 400 people in the, in wow. the room. Of course, there was press, there were delegates from all the countries. Pharma was involved as well. Myself and my partner who went there, we were sort of invited but most mostly asked for the invitation yeah okay uh my i went with one of the uh who vaccination heroes that is in based in romania and it's not me and, <laughs> and no it's fine it's i don't i don't i don't necessarily need a title she actually does a lot and uh she asked you know she wrote to the commission and said, listen, guys, I am a vaccination hero. Could you just ask me to come, please? Because, <laughs> I mean, why are you having a summit without me, basically? Yeah. And um, yeah, they said, yeah, sure, register here. Okay. Uh, Good. So we came along. Our purpose was to meet a specific group of people. Uh, so I wanted to meet with Ethan Linderberger, who is the teenager in the U.S. that uh, became a bit famous for vaccinating himself, despite yeah, his, yeah. his mom's uh, opposition. 
there were also the brothers of uh, Laura Brennan, who is um, a, another vaccine hero uh, in Ireland. She was a uh, HPV vaccine activist. After she got a cancer diagnosis, she died. And they were here, I think, a bit like six months after she died, just to tell her story. Mm. And uh, both very moving. I mean, Nathan was, a, you know, he's a young guy and he didn't have a, a drama in his life uh, mm. to, to talk about. But he did talk about the um, importance of making sure that everyone understands and not talking down to people that are anti-vaccine and all that. Because his mom is one and he basically he doesn't want to. Uh, and I mean, he sees that it doesn't work and making her the enemy does not work in their family. So, of course, sure. it doesn't work outside of it and uh fergal brennan the, laura's brother talked about her life and and why she was so um insisting on getting people vaccinated and she was very i mean her story was very useful in ireland in getting vaccination rates up uh, they actually have a documentary which i'm hoping i'll be able to license and translate mm -hmm. in romania those were the let's say the non-experts talking I've seen that documentary. It's it's very moving, as you say. Really? Okay. So I'll need yeah. to I'll need to get yeah. that. I haven't seen it. And um, there was also the uh, Facebook global policy manager. I think was there, and I asked him, you know, what is their approach to anti-vaccine topics, and uh, I don't think it's gonna. I mean, we shouldn't be getting our hopes up in terms of getting Facebook to eliminate anti-vaccine groups or even um, let's say fake news very well. Mm. They'll do some checks. They'll do some fact checks uh, directly under an anti-vaccine link. But the feeling I got from him was they're doing generally enough. They're highlighting quality information. So if you search for vaccines in English, you're getting sent to the CDC and the uh, and you're seeing the American Pediatric Association and uh, all of the the pro-vaccine organizations. Yeah. Uh, and then you're seeing a list of pages that are pro-vaccine generally. Uh, and only at the bottom you'll see maybe one or two anti-vaccine groups. I, I, it's it's a it's a huge problem for. I mean, practically, if, even if you wanted to eliminate all anti-vaccination sentiments on on Facebook, how how would you do it practically? It would be very difficult. Yeah, I I mean, as for a specific thing, and I said, listen, I can tell you. <laughs> which groups are anti-vaccine i can actually look at them read the title go into the group see a, a few posts and tell you if you need to downgrade this group to basically never mm -hmm. be seen or not and uh he said we're not doing that our algorithm does not prioritize what it's showing after the if you search for vaccines yes we'll show you the cdc but then everything else will be naturally coming up as part of search we're not gaming mm -hmm. the search uh, engine to yeah. to yeah. show a specific thing Mm -hmm. So uh, that was that. And uh, I also talked to the general director of WHO. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were searching. We had a list of people we wanted to talk to, and, and he was the last one to get to. And my proposal there was maybe a bit controversial or, you know, very far away in terms of expectation to get it done in the next five years. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's a proposal. So I asked him if we could um, stop relying on doctors to do vaccine education stop pushing doctors, medical staff, health workers to do vaccine education and actually rely on people who are interested in doing that, like I am, mm -hmm. but getting those people that are interested qualified by the WHO. Yeah. So I, it's basically, I mean, if you know the breastfeeding consultants, yeah. so those sort of exist. I mean, they have some organizations 
and they're not exactly licensed by the WHO, but they have their own organizations and they have a, a big network of people who say, okay, I am a lactation consultant, so I can help you with your breastfeeding issues. You know, that's good, mostly good. It depends on the person more than anything else. And the information is there. And if they're not, you know, if they can say, stop, you're, you're not, you're not going to be able to breastfeed instead of pushing you, then, you know, it's okay. It's, it's a reasonable service. So, so what was the reaction? Well, his reaction was, yeah, that seems like a good idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I, I said, listen, you have the, you're pushing this, all of this information on doctors, which do not have the time to stay with every parent who is hesitant and talk with him for hours to get him right. to vaccinate. But if they have a person that they can refer to, so I can, you know, my, I talk to a lot of doctors, right? If one of them says, listen, I have a guy who can talk to you about a vaccination for as many hours as you need. I trust him completely. Talk to him and come back to me when you're clarified on that. Yeah. And, and if the doctor refers them to me, for example, and I am validated by WHO as a consultant on, on vaccine hesitancy, let's say, then I can give my time to that person, free or not, depends, and get them to vaccinate, ideally. So we started a conversation. It wasn't, I mean, he didn't say no, but he didn't say yes either. Uh, he gave us over to the vaccination expert in the WHO. Mm -hmm. And we sent out an email and basically um, waiting for some feedback on that. Yeah, yeah. so you're continuing a dialogue on this. I'm uh, not shutting up. <laughs> No, no, that's good. <laughs> that's very good. So a lot of the points of this being there is that you got to meet all of these uh, other people and, yeah. and build a network with people who can actually make a big difference because they have yes. a certain position. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, great. basically, uh, you know, Romania is a small country in the, in the world. Uh, but this specific thing, the, the hesitancy on vaccination, we're one of the highest hesitant countries in, in Europe. And we also have the highest migratory population mm. of an extra Bulgaria, I think. So these things need to be connected, right? These are dots we need to connect. If a lot of people in Romania are hesitant on vaccination and a lot of them are leaving as well, who is affected? Hmm. No, it's, it's not Romania. <laughs> it very quickly becomes an international problem, yes. Yeah, so... Yeah. Just just for that, and I think we need to realize there was also this conversation I mentioned about um, the vaccine uh, passport across the EU that was not specifically discussed as far as I know, mm -hmm. uh, but it can be part of legislation. So if we want that to happen, basically it needs to come up as a, we need to discuss with MPs and have them review it and all do all that. It's not a, it wasn't driven by the global summit as a solution to anything, basically. Mm. There were a lot of discussions on, of course, on access and all that. But but your focus is more on the education and getting people I, informed. Right? I mean, I can't do anything about, you know, countries that cannot get vaccines. Even Romania has had issues with vaccination itself, yes. with vaccines. But it's not a solvable problem from my angle. That is a government system issue that needs to be needs to solve it. Yeah. Right. So if people go to the website is still there, I think, on the Global Vaccination Summit. Mm -hmm. Are there recordings or videos of talks that people could see there? Or uh, I know it yeah. was broadcast live at the time. I don't know if they kept the recording. It looks like it did. Yeah, there's a 10 hour stream here that you can see. Yep. OK, very good. That's that's great. So there you go. That's your weekend sorted. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> So yeah, it's a 10-hour uh, stream here available. You can see it, everyone that talked. 
it was very good to actually see these people. I talked to Ethan, to Fergal, and everyone who was there was very positive on vaccination yeah. itself. I mean, we were there because we know we have an issue on vaccination, but nobody said, oh, but the issue we have was we don't read the inserts or we don't uh, hmm. say the truth about adverse events. No, everyone was aware that vaccines are what they are, and they, what needs to be done in a better way is getting them to people and maybe making more yeah. if possible. So, so how do you see, we, we have the big organizations like the WHO, EU and other organizations, but then you also have all of these private initiatives that you obviously is an example of. Mm-hmm. How do you see the role for the private initiatives? I mean, obviously you believe that you can make a difference. Well, I think we can. Um, actually, this is one of the things I wanted to discuss. I talked to uh, Professor Heidi Larsen, who is a professor on the Vaccine Confidence Project. And she always comes and says, listen, this is not a simple issue and there's no easy fix for it. My ask to her was, can we talk about how my group is doing specifically? Because I want to measure people who come into my group, ask a question, get their answer. Do they actually follow up and do as I said in the answer? Or if they know, if they join the group and do not ask any questions, but they're interested in the subject, and just to make sure people who are not aware, this is your Facebook group. My you're Facebook group, yes, yes. yes. The, the, uh, so how, ma- how many people have joined that so far? I think it's 84,000 now. Wow. Wow, that's fantastic. So, so the, the issue there is I'm, I'm wondering, right, uh, if my group, as it is and how, as it works, is convincing people to vaccinate at a better rate than not doing anything. Yeah. So how do you suppose you could follow that up? Well, that was one of the questions I asked, and uh, I talked to um, Professor Larson, and she directed me to someone else who has the uh, Vaccine Talk group, which is an English group, which is a bit of a, not a pro and con, but more of a myth-busting group. They're, what they're doing is, listen, I read this on the internet with a link to the thing you read. Can you explain if it's true or not? And I don't agree with that approach. Mm-hmm. I don't agree because I think it exposes the other people in the group to that specific piece of misinformation, most likely. Sure, yeah. And, and you, you spread it, yeah. And then I don't know if maybe the person who asked the question is convinced that it's it's fake, but everyone else who just sees the title in their feed and does not read the conversation, yeah. what is happening to them? Yeah, yeah, okay. That's why in my group I do not accept direct linking to anti-vaccine information because I'm worried about the 10,000 people who will see the title and yeah. just take that away from it. Well, what's your advice to people who do want to know more about, who have questions like that or, or are wondering about vaccination? What What's the source they should go to and, and find? Or are there more than one source that you can recommend? Well, uh, I wish I could say you can find a local vaccination consultant in your area <laughs> <laughs> who is validated by the WHO. But Five uh, years from now, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't have, I know, I don't have my hopes high, but I think it's a decent idea to spread, basically. Mm. So in terms of today, you can ask your doctor, and there are some good pro-vaccine groups on the internet. Of course, the WHO and CDC and American Society of Pediatrics have their own websites about vaccination. I think there's enough information about everything. Actually, if you want to get very specific, the CDC Pink Book, which is the um, professional guidance, sort of, Mm -hmm. uh, will have any and all information needed about vaccination. 
it's basically targeted at professionals, but you'll see what the professionals are being told about vaccines and themselves, and that nobody's hiding anything. I mean, so I think from this uh, summit, I think you gained a lot was to to build your network and meet with people. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, are, are, do you have any special things that you will follow up on now with them? What What's the next steps? My my takeaway was that there's a lot of need for initiatives that will solve these issues. Any of them. Uh, I mentioned education, and I'm I'm covering a bit of it. Uh, but there's other ways to do it, and of course there'll be a need for people to solve it at a systemic level for logistics and distribution. That is another place where you can have a, a solution in place. I don't know if you've seen the drone delivery things, delivering vaccines by drone in some remote areas of the world. What I can say is there is interest in this subject at the EU. I, I've seen this topic being seriously discussed. It's not just a positioning, not like I see in, in Romania when the politician comes over and says, oh, why can't we do something to get them to trust vaccines? Well, you can. But that's a two to five year project. <laughs> and in the <laughs> yeah. meantime, you have a disease rampaging through the country. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of interest. And in it. it's not just what I wanted to say with that is it's not just positioning saying, oh, yeah, vaccines are important, blah, blah, blah. It's actually, yes, we have an issue and we need help and we, need, we will uh, require your support to get through to it. Yeah, the fight continues. Yes, basically. and and um, I think that that the EU will definitely show some interest. I think the if you want to get in touch, maybe with someone, maybe see who is there from your country. I can mm-hmm. say that. Of course, there was a delegate from each country. Yeah, Romania had a, a Secretary of State from the Ministry of Health, and talk to them and say, listen, what are you doing in the country? What are what are your needs? What do you need to do? And how can I help? Yeah. In all these years I've been doing this, I've never had someone say to me, you should stop doing what you're doing. Great. And you won't, of course. I No, just because I'm a stubborn <laughs> Yeah, <person>. I know that. <laughs> all right. Any, anything else you want to mention in the video? No, nothing else. I, I mean, I have some initiatives. Maybe I can tell you about them in a year or two. Well, <laughs> I, have, I have some ideas uh, cooking, but let's, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Sounds very promising. And I, I believe personally that you're doing a great job and uh, we should have more of you. But <laughs> Actually, yes, I do want to say something. Please get your flu shots. <laughs> yes, exactly. We actually talked about that just two episodes ago. So we fully uh, endorse that message. Do get your flu shots. Yeah, I, it's in the now is the season, you know, just get a flu shot. It's not a big deal. You're not going to get flu from it. It's a it's a little thing. Yeah. Just talk to your employer or go to a pharmacy and get it. Yeah. And it's not just to protect you. It's also to protect the people that you meet. So, yeah. Right. So um, if people want to follow what you're doing, Ovidio, where can they go? Is it the, the Facebook group? My, or Facebook, is there in- my Facebook group is called Vaccinur și Vaccinare. That's in Romanian. Uh, yeah, we'll put the link in there. Yeah, yeah, you'll have the link. And um, my personal profile is on Facebook with my full name. Just follow, please. Do not do friend requests because uh, I won't be saying yes to those. Okay. That's his personal policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a blog, but that's in Romanian. So, you know, yeah. if, you, if you can use Google Translate, you're welcome to read it. Uh, I have a big blog post on everything you need to know about flu vaccines with yeah. like 40 questions. 
So, so that we'll put that link in there as well for people who are interested. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, there's, I did I did that blog post because it's not there's nothing like that in Romanian. That the reason I actually am into and I'm visible in this subject is because there's not enough official communication. Hmm. You know, I just do what I think is reasonable to do from my side because the state won't. Don't rely on something in English. I, I always say, okay, I need to do this in Romanian because people, not all people know how to read English comfortably. Yeah. It's, it helps them. And that's about it, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. It was great catching up with you again, Novidio, and uh, we'll hear from you in the future, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Cool. Now... For my favorite segment of the show, <laughs> Pontus Pokes the Pope. <laughs> pee pee pee. <laughs> so, as I'm following the ongoing synod on the Amazon that's going in Rome at the moment, all the bishops sitting there and discussing what they should do about the Amazon, it's very clear that the whole process of focusing on the Amazon is the missionary aspect. They are not doing this out of any altruistic. They may think it's altruistic, but it's not to help people per se, it's to save them, make sure that they get the right religion. In the, in the efforts to do that, they have discussed now the idea of married priests, and uh, it seems to be more and more accepted, and uh, also having women ordained. In the beginning, it was a bit uh, unclear what kind of role they would have for women, but uh, now they say they will be deacons. Because you can't have female priests, that would be too crazy. But the synod is not just about who gets to be a priest or who gets to be a deacon, it's also about modern technology. So they've done some homework. Uh, naturally, there are limitations to internet bandwidth in the Amazon. They have decided that they will use smartphones and apps more with the aim of quote-unquote saving the souls of the people who live in the Amazon. Speaking of the Vatican and technology, listeners may remember that Vatican launched the Click to Pray app last year. And I still think that's hilarious. <laughs> it, it, you, you, it makes it easier to pray. It's some sort of Facebook for, for praying, but a little bit more simple than that. You can put in your own prayers. Uh-huh. You can like other prayers. And I think that counts as if you have prayed yourself. And of course, you can follow the Pope's prayers and you click on it and it says a little bing and then you have prayed. But they are taking this now one step further. We have talked about rosaries before and how Francis really liked them. These are those small bracelets of beads to keep track on how many Hail Marys you've said or so. And of course, that this is an old idea. That's <laughs> low tech. But some genius, <laughs> some genius in the Vatican has now come up with the next logical step. An electronic rosary bracelet connected via Bluetooth to an app on the smartphone. I, I had to check this three or four times before I believed it because I thought it was almost like <laughs> April Fool's uh, thing. But it's, apparently it's true. At the same time, it's a great idea. I mean, the Vatican has now launched and are going to sell these Bluetooth devices. They're going to be released on the 25th of October. They will cost 99 euro. And Jesus so Christ, far, are I you think kidding you can... me? Yeah, it's an electronic device. <laughs> Fuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you do is you synchronize your bracelet. It's like a little Fitbit or something. And you synchronize it with your watch, and then you can just pray by stroking your your little bracelet. And uh, the app sends the prayer to um, 
I guess it's he sends it to God. I don't know how that works. <laughs> As you said, 99 euro. It's a little bit steep for some people, maybe, especially perhaps in the Amazon. But they have thought about that too. There is also a free app who works without the bracelet. So, of course, I had to try it. Mm-hmm. You just have a, a virtual bracelet in your telephone, and when you want to praise, uh, you know, if you want to say a Hail Mary, you just swipe across the screen like this, and then you swipe again. That's two Hail Marys, and then oh, glory to the Father was that. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty pretty cool. Pretty uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Make prayers great again. Yes, yes. You have to be a little bit um, cautious, though, because uh, this is new to the Vatican. And it took only 15 minutes for a French security researcher (laughs) called Baptiste Robert to hack the rosary bracelet. Because, of course, he did. So what they... He, I'm surprised fa- he wasn't the Russian guy. Yeah, no, because you uh, log on with your email and a PIN code. It's just that, at least in the first version of the software, the server sent out both the PIN code and the email account in the same email. And if you intercepted that email, you could find out what the PIN code was. And then you could hijack somebody's identity (laughs) and pray in somebody else's stead. I don't know what the problem really would be. But uh, last thought on this. I wonder how God is going to handle this. This is going to be a new onslaught of prayers. And I hope he has bandwidth enough and a big server up there in the sky to, to receive all of these electronic messages. Well, we'll see. Wow. Well... And I, I thought I've heard it all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great stuff, Pontus. All right. Let's move on to our news item segment. All right. First, we have an update from the UK, from the Good Thinking Society. And they continue to do excellent work, of course. Already in 2015, Good Thinking did a thorough investigation regarding the televangelist Peter Popov who amazingly is still able to operate his scams via TV. If you're not aware, Peter Popov was caught red-handed by James Randi way back in 1985, when Randi demonstrated that Popov was, of course, just pretending to psychically tell what illnesses people had in the audience, because he was actually getting told this in his earpiece from his wife. And I believe that his wife and or other people in the staff had interviewed people before the show. So they knew everything about what the problem was. And then his wife told him over the earpiece so he could appear to know everything. Well, anyway, Popov has still not given up. And among other things, he's now selling so-called miracle water, which he promotes via his TV shows. And the investigation that Good Thinking did in 2015 resulted in a ban of Peter Popov's show in Iceland. (laughs) But now Ofcom in the UK, that's the Office of Communications, has fined the broadcaster behind Ben TV for airing promotions of Popov's BS water and told them not to show his programming again. So here's a part from the statement from Ofcom. And I quote... 
Our investigation found that Peter Popov Ministries, a program featuring footage from televangelist Peter Popov's religious services, contained frequent invitations for viewers to order free miracle spring water. The program included a number of testimonies from individuals who claimed or strongly implied that using the water had cured serious illnesses, including cancer. End quote. So you may notice that the, the water is free. So what's the problem then? Well, what happens if you contact them is you, you get your free sample of miracle water, but you also then get tons of letters that claim to include specific and personalized prayers and predictions. And of course, the company asks for large sums of money. When Good Thinking Society did that, they got, I think, 35 different letters in a very short time, asking for up to $2,000. And uh, of course, combined with the promise that it will cure cancer, etc., it is very bad indeed. So uh, again, great work by Good Thinking. And just, it's still amazing to me that Peter Popov can still be active and find a market for his scams after all these years when he mm. has been demonstrated to be such a fraud for such a long time. I think there's still a lot of people who haven't heard about the investigations that took place. And there's always going to be enough gullible people out there. Anyway. Yeah. Even those who probably know about the investigation, but think maybe it's not true. Yeah. Poof. Crazy. Yep. So I have a, a piece of news from our friends at Concept. Yeah. Portuguese organization that we often talk about. And the reason why I want to mention them today is because they actually have a Comtept Con 2019 coming up on November the 2nd. It's going to take place in Leiria, Portugal. I'm not, I'm not sure how to pronounce it either, so I do apologize. In the Leira Museum, to be precise. Uh, it's free to attend. It's a one-day conference. And the theme of, for this year will be Charles Darwin and evolution. It was the 210th anniversary of Charles Darwin's birth and 160th anniversary of, of publication of his work, The Origins of Species. So the talks will be on that theme. Diana Barbosa, our friend, will be speaking there alongside of Eugenia Cuna, Juan Teresa and Jorge Roja. So if you are around the that area in Portugal, I'm assuming it, it is going to be in, all in Portuguese. So you have to be either yeah, fluent uh, Portuguese yes, or... Yes, I, I think so, yeah. Or local. <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to wish them luck and uh, I hope the event goes well. Yeah, and th this is their big conference. They have this once per year with different themes. So uh, we really wish them very good luck and we... Hope it goes well. Yep. All right. So we'll go to Sweden now. In VOF, also known as the Swedish Skeptics, where I'm currently the president, we want to make sure that we are not tied to any political party. However, that doesn't mean that we don't have views of specific policies when it's very clearly concerning scientific or rational things. So we were very happy when the Swedish government included us in the different independent organizations that were asked to give their views on suggested changes of the law regarding CAM treatments, complementary and alternative medicine. These suggested changes came after an investigation ordered by the government that took two and a half years to carry out, I believe. There was almost 900 pages to look through, so it was a bit of a work to give our comment on that. 
in general, it's a very sound investigation, and we are very happy with the conclusions for the most uh, part. There are some suggestions that we are especially happy with, so I will list them a little bit. So one change is that instead of listing a, a few specific illnesses like before, like cancer, it will now be forbidden for non-medical personnel to treat any quote-unquote serious diseases. So that, that's good, we like that. We also like that the age limit for treatment of children by non-medical staff is increased from 8 years to 15 years now. There is also a suggestion that the public information that is available online about diseases and treatments should also include scientific descriptions of alternative treatments with indication of if it's scientifically valid or not. And we like that because it will then be officially documented that, that there is no science behind like homeopathy and such things. And we're also happy for one thing that they didn't do in this new recommendation. And they said, we don't recommend an official registry of alternative practitioners. Some people have suggested that as a, a way of keeping track of who is an alternative practitioner. But we think and agree with the investigation that, well, the risk is that it gives them legitimacy, which they don't deserve. So better not to list them at all. And then there are some things that we want the investigation to consider before they make law out of this. It is suggested in the investigation that when it comes to serious treatments, alternative practitioners may only treat symptoms and not the underlying disease. So that's good. Maybe you can help a little bit by a, a little placebo could be okay but you cannot try to treat the underlying disease. You can't, cannot treat cancer, for instance. So that sounds good, but it doesn't work for psychological illness because you don't have an underlying cause in a psychological illness, not as such. For instance, if, you have, if you're suffering from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, there is no bug or virus. It's all symptoms. So if you say that you can treat the symptoms, you're also saying that they can actually treat PTSD. So uh, we think they haven't considered that part really. Another thing that we disagree with is that the investigation specifically wants to allow acupuncture for non-medical personnel, which we feel is really dangerous. The investigation has the view that, well, acupuncture is just a, it's not a very serious treatment. It is a very serious treatment. Just this year, there were two near deaths of acupuncture early this year and one suspected death. And they, all of that has gone going to, through trials at the moment. In it. So I don't think uh, acupuncture is very benign and I don't think anybody should be allowed to do it. Preferably nobody should do it because it doesn't work. But if it is allowed, it should be by medical people. Mm. So I think I'll hold it there. We had a few other comments, but I think it'll take too long to list them all. Uh, we will link instead to the document presented on, on the government uh, webpage where our feedback is published, but also the feedback from other organizations. And some of the, the, the deadline is not until 31st of October. So there will be probably more things published there eventually if people are interested. It's in Swedish, but I guess you can use Google Translate if you don't know Swedish. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah. But in conclusion, we're very happy to have been included to uh, give this feedback, and I hope they will listen to what we had to say. Absolutely. So, 
ARPSAPC, the Society for Advancement of Critical Thinking, the Spanish Society, has published recently on their website that there have been requested to step in and um, protest against uh, an event that will be taking place in Spain very, very shortly on the 26th of October, an event called A Course of Miracles, organized by the Enric Corbera Institute. They've been asked by College of Physicians uh, of Murcia. Murcia. This institution warns the activity aims to disseminate by a neuroemotion classed as a dangerous pseudo-therapeutic practice. And so uh, I just want to quickly go over what exactly this bio-neuro-emotion bullshit is. Sorry. And so what it basically is, or postulates, is that Every adverse event in your life, including the disease and illness, the way you feel, is an expression of the unconscious thought through the body that is clearly shows that you have some sort of unresolved conflict in your life and it manifests itself by you getting sick. (laughs) So um, a terrible proposition to begin with. I mean, especially, I actually knew someone who unfortunately passed away, who had cancer and she was convinced that the reason why she couldn't get better is because she was thinking bad thoughts and she wasn't thinking positively enough. Wow. And this is a very, very good example of that. It creates this very unhealthy relationship between, oh, you know, events that happen in your life and feelings you feel or whatever happened to you. And then looking at the diseases you have, thinking that that had any connection to it. I mean, yeah. oh, it's terrible because it it blames you for everything that you. Uh, if you get cancer, it's not your fault. But this seems to yeah. indicate that if you're just thinking a little yeah. bit more positive, you would have been well. So you blame yourself for that. It's terrible. Yeah, and if only you resolve those conflicts and those issues, then you cure yourself. Such bullshit. And I'm assuming that maybe is partly what this um, course of miracles uh, event is going to be all about, how to resolve those conflicts to get well and get better. Yeah. This type of alternative therapy hasn't been proven to work. It doesn't have any credible trials. It's just a say-so of yet another person who is trying to take advantage of people who are sick. And so I don't know if this protest against this event will have any effect. By the sounds of it, a few different organizations collaborating together to stop it. As far as I can see, though, on a website of the event provider, this is still on the course. So this workshop is still scheduled for the 26th of October. Yeah, it states that through this workshop, you will have the possibility to understand life from a different perspective, in which you are primarily responsible for situations you experience. (sighs) I cannot think of anything worse than giving these thoughts to people who are extremely sick and desperate to tell them after all that it's all your fucking fault unbelievable unbelievable yeah, yeah. just think positive and you'll be fine yeah i am all for taking resp- by the way by the way i just want to say i am all for taking responsibility in life for shit you're actually responsible for <laughs> the actions you you do things you say whatever do that because i don't think there is enough of that going on you know people are always uh, very happy to blame people and point fingers and be offended whatever nobody's like grown up to take responsibility anymore and i am all for this responsibility rocks 
But when it comes to having cancer, yeah. you cannot blame people for having cancer because they had some sort of unresolved conflict in their lives. I heard a doctor say something very interesting about this at one point. It was about the immune system. And somebody said, well, you, if you only t- think positive, then your immune system will be boosted and it will work much better. And the doctor said, think about evolution and think about when do you need your immune system? It's not when you're fucking happy. <laughs> if you hurt yourself or if you break a leg or something, you need your immune system. And to say that it would only work if you're happy, that's really stupid because that means you should be very happy when you break your leg. No. Yeah, and I'm also, just on the record here, I'm going to say, I'm really against all this happy bullshit thing, you know. Everybody and their grandmother wrote a hell book to say, oh, how to be happy. Happy is a fucking overrated. Get over yourself. <laughs> Life is hard and mostly quite miserable. And you just have to be okay with that. Like, it's okay not to be fucking happy. It's fine. Yes. And so, like, all this... It, yeah, that's a different, but it's kind of similar point. Anyway, all so... Right. Um, I'm hoping that they can get some traction and get some people to engage and to stop this event. On the other hand, yeah, I'm a bit skeptical. I'm going to be honest. If people show up, people show up, right? I mean, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but l- let's hope instead that the Spanish skeptics will be able to lift this uh, topic and, and get some awareness about how much bullshit this is. So I don't mind if it gets publicity if it if it's the right sort of publicity if you highlight that mm-hmm. this is nonsense don't fall for this cool all right we are going to now go on to the next uh, segment and it is about someone who has been very 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 wrong yes the very wrong segment all right The Polish Law and Justice Party has now run amok since 2015 when they managed to form a majority government in Poland and they're led by their chairman Jarosław Kaczynski. They have redesigned the Supreme Court, replaced judges there in a way that EU has determined to be unconstitutional. They're anti-LGBT and they are anti-abortion and very anti-immigration. In 2017, the interior minister, Mariusz Błaszczak, stated that he wanted it to be like, quote, Charles the Hammer who stopped Muslim invasion of Europe in the 8th century, end quote. And then, of course, when referring to the migration crisis. Anyway, so they have a lot of populist backwards uh, right-wing views. And I'm going to talk about their latest accomplishment. That was taken on the 16th of October when they passed a bill which criminalized sex education for children below 15. And this is in a situation where there's already no sex education at all in the school program, but now it's actually become a criminal offense for teachers to do it on their own initiative. And the law is presented as a stand against pedophilia. Can you believe it? Mm. So giving children a fair chance to understand what sex is and what is safe and what is not is now labeled pedophilia in Poland. And we know the science here. We know how poor sex education leads to more pregnancies and more abortions and more diseases. The easiest way to look at this is actually to look at the US, Jelena. And you can see which states have the most teenage pregnancies. And I'll give you a hint, it's not the states which promote celibacy and refuse to inform about contraception, etc. 
This new law is clearly inspired by the very strong Catholic Church in, in Poland. So again, we talk about the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. One Polish bishop said apropos the law, it is worrying that some local authorities are introducing to preschools and schools sexualization programs recommended by the World Health Organization, which just harms children and youths. Yeah, you should listen to the Catholic Church rather than the WHO when it comes to recommendation regarding sex education for children. Calling it sexualization programs, it's preposterous. So, uh, for having no clue about sex and sex education and creating something that is clearly going to hurt children and young adults in Poland, the so-called Law and Justice Party gets today's prize for being really wrong. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's so it's stupid. Like beyond, beyond ridiculous. Yes. So we should finish with a quote, right? Yeah, and I do have a quote from Max Birom, who was a British critic essayist. And caricaturist, he said, the one real goal of education is to leave a person asking questions. Ooh. Yeah. No, that's good. I like that. And I tell you what, they don't do that in school. (laughs) Uh. No. No. But they should. They should. If you get curious, then you start to learn things. Oh, before we go. Yes. Before we go, Jelena, we have some news for our patient. uh, Patients. All our patients. What's your problem? We have some news for our patrons. We have never really had any rewards for our patrons, but some of them have been very generous with the support over the years. So we thought, as we're coming up closer and closer to the 200th episode, we have created a nice little thing with our logo on it, and we will send it to all patrons that have, um, over time, donated more than 25 euros to us. So we will need the postal address for for those patrons. And we've asked them already. Uh, If you haven't been asked, then uh, or if you haven't replied, then get in contact so we can send it to you. I hope you will like our little gift there. And it's our way to saying thank you for for supporting us. And it's still not too late to become a patron. You can go to patreon.com slash the ESP and sign up if you want to. Yeah. All right. Great stuff. Okay. That's it for today's show. We'll see you all next week. Until then, пока пока. Bye bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time. But until then. Please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I 
don't know how you can believe it's a a r oh hang on more like um, um what are you trying to say i'll just scrap that comment <laughs> Anyway. No, there was there was a joke somewhere in there, but uh, yeah. 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 <laughs>